Seriously, I lied, though. I got caught. They told me there was going to be B-roll of Javante Williams, and he wasn't there, right? Yeah. yeah. So you he's not my best buddy. You know Florio is. And then you. <laughs> okay? Yeah, that's all I want to be. Oh, yeah. What's up? I'm here. It's Chris Sims Unbutton, and I'm with my third best buddy in the <laughs> rankings, Ahmed Fareed. Yes, he's second. Sorry, behind Mike Florio and Matthew Berry. You're not really. Not really. No, you lowered me even more after that. You're right. We Catherine cut it off. Tapping, yeah. like, uh, added her in. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're climbing the ladder. Okay, you're getting there. All right. I go <laughs> as long as I'm in the top ten of your work friends. Yes, like that's still significant. You're, you're, abo- you're above that. Okay. You certainly are. You definitely are. And uh, that that was actually a clip from last night in our uh, post game show on Peacock that Ahmed and I did. A little highlight show, always fun. Uh, what's up, everybody? Week three Monday podcast reaction time. Uh, what's going on? You doing good? You had, yeah. a, you had to stay up late with me that last night. That was a quick night. Yeah, because we were doing the show until, what, 12.40, I think, 1240 is when we Right, right. I got home around one thirty. Yep. Fell asleep maybe around 2.30. Right. And now here we are. All right. And you got here on time, and I didn't, as usual. <laughs> and you had no excuse this time. No. Well, I did have an excuse. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, I got pulled over on the way in. I was going to be late anyways, but I was pulled over made me 30 minutes late instead of, like, 10 minutes late. So you texted us. You go, I'm going to be 20 minutes late. Right. Right. I, oh, I texted at 10.20, yeah. and I was ta- leaving the driveway. It takes me about 18 to 20 minutes to get to the house from here. So you were going to be 10 minutes late. I was going to be 10 late. I was thinking, okay, I'll get there at like 10.41, something yeah. like that. And then um, passed two cops on the side of the road, and I went, oh, okay, I'm, I'm in the clear. And kind of hit the gas pedal again and kind of went around a corner, and they had another one. Those wow. sandbagging son of a That's bitches. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, but they were good. They were good. I got a warning. I got lucky. I got very nice... They're nice to the people in town here. So the fact that I lived in town, I think, helped me out. Did it? Yes. And he was very interested in my Tesla. So he was, like, asking me a million questions about that. And uh, it was good. Uh, See, yeah. this is totally Thank unrelated. You to Officer Barry from the Greenwich Police <laughs> Department. He was very nice to me. Totally unrelatable. Yeah. Everyone listening right now is like, unbelievable. <laughs> I know, right? Sims. I don't get pulled over like a lot. So that. it was the first time in a while, actually. So you had a good interaction. With good the- interaction. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I, we, we, I support the police for <laughs> yeah. sure. No doubt about it. I don't know the last time I got pulled over. It's, 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 been, it's been a while. It's been a while? Yeah. Yeah, my wife is really the one that gets pulled over in my family, and I love that <laughs> because like, I can have that over her because usually I'm the one that's viewed as the crazy driver. Does she know so, now? Have you let her know that you got pulled I did, over? I actually did because she called me just as I was getting the parking lot here at work, and I told her right. And yeah. Uh, but yeah, she's she's gotten a lot of free passes. Let me tell you. So we're, we're we're I'm still trying to catch up to her. So it's been a crazy twelve hours here. Crazy doing the show, hours, pulled over baby. by the cops, and now here we are going woo, woo, over woo, woo. going over the uh, you got the a Sunday monster games. drink. I got yeah, which I'm not giving them up. Right. I'm just cutting back. You're cutting back. You know, so I can today was a day you needed one. Definitely needed one. What today. time did you wake up this morning? Uh, I think I got up. I set my alarm for nine. Nine. And I right. got up at nine. When yeah. did you get up? I got up at nine too. Yeah. Probably nine oh eight. Yeah. I think I hit snooze once. So I was kind of just like laying. There I didn't think minutes. I would need my alarm. I'll go, I'll set it at nine just in case I'm still sleeping. Oh, I was definitely sleeping. Yeah. Still. <laughs> so, uh, but here we are. We're awake. And Pete was up uh, even before then, I'm sure, even though he was there with us last night, yep. deep into the night. Pete's uh, and, a soldier. Uh, Pete has put together the rundown here. So we got all the games. That's our promise to you, the homie, is that we will go through every one of these games. And there were a lot of them. The early window there in that room. It's insane with all the games. We'll it's be insane. nine going on at the same time. Do we start bye weeks this week? Is bye week start we this need week? Em. I hope so. We need them. Yeah, I would like to take one or two games. <laughs> off the slate it does make it a little easier in, in all aspects of my life for sure so we'll go through every game we got the damn okay give me the headlines uh we'll start 
with some of the biggest games here. And yeah. there, there were some big matchups, although in the NFL every week, it seems like early on in the season, there's something interesting about every single yeah, game. And right. so that's what makes this job easy. But we'll start with the Dolphins beating the Bills by two. What a game. You know, going back and forth, back and forth. Keeg Meister tweeted in and said, wow, Finns and Bills going out, playing a playoff game in the regular season heat. The shot of Josh resting his head on Tua's shoulder was unreal. It These was. guys balled. Did you see that shot? I did, right. That, that was kind of crazy. Well, Tua, the, I mean, Tua, these are two, like, great human beings. And if you're you're watching on our, you know, YouTube page here right now, you see it. Yeah, those are good people. I mean, that, that's where, you know, again, I don't. I hate that I'm labeled as the Tua hater, uh, which I know I am. But either way, he's, he is a good dude. There's no doubt about it. And Josh Allen, and I'm sure Tua's guy, dude. You are unreal. Like, yeah. what you did today is unreal, and what you do every week is unreal. So keep your head up. Josh is going, do you think Chris will not like me anymore now <laughs> if, if I lose do you think too much? Like, do you think he's going to like you over me now because you won? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. my boy, Blue. Um, so uh, where do you want to start on this? Exactly. Where do yeah. you want to start on this? Because I think, you know, coming into this game, yeah. if you would have told me that the Dolphins were only going to score 21 against yes. a Bills defense that right. was out, Phillips on the on the defensive line, Oliver was out, right? Micah Hyde, man, that sucks. Yes. Out for the year. Big, Poyer, big injury. Out right. in this game. Right. And you got to face, uh, as we have a moth flying around That's our set here. random. Look That's at a, this. We got a, co- we a new He's co-host. Look at that. Um, that is weird. We've never had that before. Um, I'm going to let He's going to hang with the pod. Yeah, for yeah, yeah let, him, let him be. He wants to listen to this uh, breakdown. He does. Uh, that's going to be highly distracting. <laughs> now he's attacking you. Did you shower? No, I did. I'm okay. a, like a habitual shower. I'm the kind of guy that showers like three times a day. Okay. Right? So don't well, you're, you think like he's like dirty? He's a, he's a, he wants dirty people? Hey, Morgan, if this goes on for much longer, come up here and kill the moth. All right? We're not, we're not going to have that on our hands. He's um, the one that doesn't put deodorant okay. on. Go over there. All right. All right let's go. We haven't even gotten to our first game yet. Yeah, moth, get go. out of here. We've got oh, a lot to no. do. Oh, no, dude. Get out of here. It went in my coffee. It's, oh, okay. no. Just put them on the floor at this we got point. It. We're good. All right. We're back. Are you going to drink that now? I am going to drink it. Wow, that is insane. Did, we, did you it. see that moth fly into the coffee? Yeah. We're going to have to zoom in on that if we can get that. Turn I'm that around stopping. by the end of that. Okay. All right, let's get back to business. Oh, my gosh. This, <laughs> is, uh, this, this is not what we needed to start the Sometimes podcast. Sometimes the blitz comes on okay. third and ten, and you got to react, bro. Uh, but despite all the injuries. Yeah. Uh, and they held the Dolphins pretty much in check for this game. I, I don't know. The, the, the Bills just shot themselves. In the, they stalled out at times. Give credit to the Dolphins' defense doing some things that, that right. threw um, – uh, Josh Allen out of his rhythm, but was that shocking to you? I mean, they ran ninety plays, the Bills, and only scored nineteen points. Yeah, it, it is shocking. There's no question about that. I think if I had to make like a headline statement about the game, and I think you know where I'm going to go with this, was at no in mad respect to the Dolphins. I mean, I hope everybody knows that listening to this podcast, I think a lot about we we both think a lot of the Dolphins football team, the roster, you know, Mike McDaniel, uh, Josh Boyer, the D coordinator. But I will say, watching that game, at no point did I think that Miami was better than Buffalo, even with the fact of Buffalo missing a ton of players and then players getting hurt throughout the game with cramps and not being able to play. I mean, there was, what, two offensive linemen went down. Dawson Knox went down at one point. You, know, you mentioned you know, the two safeties being out. They're missing one of the corners. They're missing Jordan Phillips. They're missing Ed Oliver. I mean, it was an incredible like, um, you know, effort by them to play as well as they did with some of their key players missing. You know, but at the same time, what an incredible effort to be on the field for 90 plays like the Miami Dolphins were. And and I think really the biggest thing was, you know, we kind of hit on this last night a little bit is it just in the got to have it plays, got to have it moments. 
You know, Miami made big plays, and I think that's what you can like respect about Miami right now. You know, one, they're showing the ability to kind of win and do things a different way. Really, you know, week one was kind of, hey, we made a few plays on offense, but it was really the defense and the strip sack fumble against Mac Jones. Week two definitely wasn't a defense and was the offense putting on a show, right? And then week three, we kind of got a little combination of both almost. You know, they don't have the run game going all the way, but man, Tua made some big time third down plays. Um, and then I think the Dolphins just making some plays to hold the Bills out of the end zone, hold them to a field goal on one of the long drives. Of course, not score at the end of the football game, you know, before they got the safety. Uh, and then, of course, at the end of the game in general. So that was surprising. But, you know, either way, uh, much like a lot of credit to Miami. And Miami, you know, as we've discussed too, they just put a lot of pressure on you. They do. And because of their playmakers, I think they just go, hey, more pressure moments. One of these times, one of our guys is going to make the big play here. Uh, and it didn't really look that way throughout right. the day. But but either either way, they got the win, and it was impressive. Did we show the uh, the time of possession stats and the number of play stats? Yeah. Here it is if you're, if you're watching. Uh, if you're not, I will read it to you. Time of possession for the Buffalo Bills, 40 minutes and 40 seconds. For Miami, it was 19 minutes and 20 seconds. 90 plays, that's what the Bills ran, to 39 plays. Plays. I, you see that, and you're like, "There's no way." I know that the Miami Dolphins won the game, but they did. 63 pass attempts from from Josh Allen, tied for the fourth most in NFL history by a player to throw no interceptions in the game. Gary Griffith asks you, "Were Josh Allen's high number of pass attempts a reflection of the Bills reverting back to an offense last year that was unable to keep defenses honest with the run game?" Yeah, I, I do think a little bit. They got to find another avenue. Not that I, I know it's going to be Josh Allen centric, right? We know that they're not going to change a whole lot, but it can't be just him dropping back and oh dissecting people. Then if they're not open, he's going to run around and do a whirly bird and a three sixty and break a tackle. And that's just to me, it becomes a little too much. It just becomes too much on his shoulders. They got to make the game a little easier for him. I guess is my big thing. Now whether that's the run or finding more screen passes to the wide receivers, whatever that may be, it can't just always be on him to make the incredible play, the incredible throw. He's the best quarterback in football right now. He was incredible in the game yesterday. But, you know, when he's asked to do too much, um, yeah, it, he's, hey, might miss an out route to win the game. You know, easiest throw of the game to maybe score a touchdown there. He misses the out route. Didn't really set his feet. We saw him actually miss a similar throw against the Tennessee Titans last Monday night. He missed a similar throw in the flat on like a third or fourth and one um, that he missed to his left side. But, yeah, that's just my, my biggest concern is just not enough to think about at times. But I don't think it's going to change a whole lot because he is their best player, and I think they are in the boat of he, we think he's the best player in football. Uh, but it gets a little dangerous that way. And, you know, when you're playing a defense like Miami, you know, again, like we see, you know, one blitz – and, oh, you know, he holds the ball on too long. There's Javon Holland, strip sack fumble. Oh, we're on the five-yard line. We score a touchdown, and we get a little momentum going in a game where it seemed like Buffalo had the momentum early and was kind of controlling things. Yeah, Holland had 10 tackles in the game, a sack and a half, a couple pass he's defenses. A, he's phenomenal. Melvin Ingram, a couple sacks, forced fumble, fumble recovery, Emmanuel Agba, four quarterback hits. Of course, they were out on the field a lot, had a lot of opportunities to do that, but they did stay on the field. We saw it was a game where a lot of players had – 
cramping issues, and it was hot out there, and it is, on the sidelines they were getting help. Hey, so to yeah. be on the field for for that game and for a lot of plays, give credit to the Miami defense. Gutsy. That's what stinks about going to Miami in the, you know September when you're from the north. Just like it's going to stink for Miami when they got to go up to the northeast and things get cold. I haven't looked at their schedule when they're doing that, but it, it'll be tough for them too. Some big plays again from Tua. In this one, we yeah. got that third and 22 when he hit Tyreek Hill down the middle again. I believe we have the next-gen dots. Right, it was Waddle he hit down the middle. 45-yard pass yeah. to Jalen Waddle right. here. So they had a couple big chunk plays again a week after having a ton of big chunk plays. And last week, I think some of the blame went on the, the Ravens on how they defended it. Right. Do you give more credit to the Dolphins or still blame on the Bills on how they defended this? No, this is, you know, this is a really well-designed play, okay? That's the first thing. And then, you know, Pete, if you get a chance here, just go back to the start or it'll replay itself. But here we go. If we can pause it too, Pete, this will help. Like, all right, stop it right here if you can, right? All right, so... Okay, they're working on it. But either way, if you're watching this on YouTube, yeah. the, the big thing is it looks like it's like a single safety defense to start. You're going to see the safety split. It's Tampa 2, okay? And they have Tyreek Hill on the left with Sherfield number 14, on the left. And they do a good job of kind of running a pass pattern combination to where, yeah, Edmonds is supposed to be the deep guy down the middle of the field. But they must know. He's going to open to the two-receiver side, so that is where you know 14 and 10 are. And then they basically, as that Tampa two-middle linebacker, is supposed to run down the middle and be the third deep safety. What they do is they had Sherfield at about the 20-yard mark curl up. So they gave him a little like, hey, look at this bright, shiny prize. We might throw the ball here you know, on third and 22. We might throw it for a 20-yard gain, and now he might catch it and be able to turn up and get the first down. Well, Edmonds, he sees that and stops. But within that, that's where we see Waddle get down the field. He bends number four out a little bit, number four being the backup, Jaquan Johnson, bends him out and then posts over the middle, and he's stuck in a very compromising spot because of the play design. So that, to me, is a Mike McDaniel special. Great call right there. And then great job by Tua, great pass protection, puts it out there, one of the better deep balls he threw all year, really. There were so many crazy plays then, too, because the Bills still had a chance. You know, they missed a field goal. Uh, they, they had that pass, the short-arm pass from Josh Allen down by the goal line. But then you had the, the butt punt, which is now gonna, right. That's trending. It's yeah. trending nationwide. Yeah, it, should. The, it should. The butt punt. And uh, Mark Sanchez chimed in. I don't know if people saw this out there because, of course, famous for the butt fumble. And he tweeted, whoa, stay out of my lane, bro. Yeah, whoa. So, that's, that's, so, uh, I own the butt department <laughs> in the NFL. Which okay? it wasn't the punter. You know, Thomas Morstead, it wasn't his fault. It was uh, Sherfield. It, it was Sherfield. Right? Same guy we were just talking Backing about. Backing up, trying to use that kind of deep protection. Exactly right. He was too far back. Personal protector in yeah. that scenario where it's like basically 12 yards between the line of scrimmage and the punter. Yeah. You know, yeah, in a normal punting situation, he can he can shuffle back and evaluate things. Wait, where, where do I got to help out? In that situation, he can take zero steps back. Like if you're ever in a special teams meeting, that's the thing they'll tell you. Like, hey, you're down here in this situation, personal protector. You know, you can only go forward here. You can't like let me go back and see who I can help out. That was you know a, yeah an unfortunate mistake there for them that that opened the door for for uh, Buffalo one more time and that's where he kept going. Can Miami's defense really hold on here? Yeah, uh, the, are they ever going to get tired? But credit to them, they really didn't. They seemed like they were the more well conditioned team on the field. It this game is a game I got to go back and watch on film because it's hard for me almost to get my head around it. All right, and the fact of. 
how did the how did the Bills lose? Right, it just like you said, the stats were there. I think our eye felt we felt like they were in control of the game for the better part of the football game, but. You know, like we said, I think, you know, in, in some big moments, Miami came through. That's really what it is. The strip sack fumble and two drives for a touchdown, and that was it for the day. Mm-hmm. Where the Bills, we were kind of like, hey, they're moving up and down the field, up and down the field. And, you know, they missed a field goal, right? And, you know, had a touchdown where Gabe Davis has it caught, and then Keon Crossan knocks it out. There just was opportunities right there, you know, like uh, five or six plays where you just went, ooh, if that went Buffalo's way, yeah. I think they control the game totally. and kind of like win, and there's no problem, but it didn't, and uh, you got to give credit to Miami with that. And it wasn't like they had five turnovers or anything. No, for, I know. One, one I loss, know. fumble, no interceptions. Yes. Last thing, yeah. Tua hit. At the end of the first half, right, wobbly falls. Right. I think a lot of people have seen the video. Yeah, people think, oh, that's a head injury. Right, he might be done for the day. They say it's a back injury. He comes back, plays the, the second half. Looks fine. He yeah. did look fine. Right to their credit. What do you think? What do you think is going to happen? What's the fallout of that play? Gonna There's going to be some sort of fallout to where the, I I would doubt that Miami followed the correct process. Just you know, and again, I'm not trying to accuse anybody here. I'm one that will sit here and I'm the guy. You know this. Like, if Tua wants to play, let him play. I don't care. I would lie every time my head got my bell got rung in the NFL right now. But it's to protect you from having to I put yourself in that You're position. You're right. You're right. I know it is. It is. But I also want to be like, hey, I'm a grown man, and I want to play. And yeah. I don't care they got my bell rung. I don't care. But, um, yeah, I would think that the something was off about that hmm. issue. You know, again, the back, like we, we joked about last night, back doesn't cause you to – be a bobblehead as you stand up. I mean, his head was literally bobbling. And then we saw his leg basically give out and collapse, right? Two yeah. different times in a 15-yard walk, yeah. right? That, that to me, does not scream back. Yeah, it was shocking to see him back in there. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see where that goes. But I, I would think that's going to be much scrutinized, certainly. Played well, though, second half. Yes, got the win, two-point win by the Dolphins over the Bills. It was also a two-point spread. Between the Packers and Bucks, yeah, yeah. old man bowl, old man. Although bowl. I feel bad saying that because we're older than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but we don't play a young man's game. That's true. Yeah, that's podcasting. Right, right. It's we're an old man's game. That's an old man's game. We're we're young men in an old man's <laughs> game. <laughs> uh, Packers got the win. Uh, wasn't really anything, you know. Not many plays that jump out no. at you here. Bucks still had a chance to win it late. Two point conversion failed for for Tom Brady. So let's just start with Aaron Rodgers. And you have been pleading with the Packers offense yeah. and your guy Aaron Rodgers. Push the ball down the field. Right. Take some chances. Now, maybe the Bucks is not the defense to do that with, but they definitely didn't. 4.7 air yards per attempt for Aaron Rodgers, the second fewest in the game for Rodgers since 2016. Uh, they didn't they didn't do it. They didn't need to. No. But they didn't do it again. No, I think it was, you know, we, we I think we were we, we hit it right when we were got done with the game. It didn't didn't seem like he threw one ball down the field really aggressively at any point. But, you know, again, there's no problem with that either. You know, yeah, they, they were patient with the run. They obviously saw some defensive sets where they went, wait, Tampa's trying to have their cake and eat it here too. They're trying to play run defense but kind of cheat on coverage. And that, to me, was the big thing of the game. Like, you know, we, we discussed this a lot on the highlight show last night where, you know, it was a lot of RPO plays, runs called, where he went, 
wait, the numbers are not right over here trying to cover our receivers. And they had cool little creative route combinations to where Rodgers could kind of act like he might hand it off. And then it's the quickest release in the history of football. I mean, that's where, again, his talent shows even on those type of plays where I go, there's not many quarterbacks that can do do that. Just, you know, get the ball and flick it and, and throw the ball 70 miles per hour in between two guys you know, that quickly, that aggressively, that on point. That's where Rodgers is special. Um, I have no problem with the, – the thing I like about it is at least they got the ball into some playmaker's hands, right? All right? I don't have a problem with it being down downfield. Uh, I don't like when it's not downfield when I go, hey, there's downfield stuff there to be had, and then we're checking it down. That's my issue. Here it seemed like this was the game plan. He hit it on the run going. Their defense played great. It was an ugly football game, and Tampa's offense is certainly you know, injured and is trying to find its way a little bit in the passing game under Todd Bowles. David Bakhtiari was back, yep. giving him uh, some uh, protection there. I don't know how many snaps he played, but he was back there in the game. Uh, Romeo Dobbs yes. got a touchdown. So yeah. that's going to be interesting. That's what to I see. mean. They got to get guys like him the ball. That, you're right. Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, eight catches, 73 yards. Right. It's like, how, how is Aaron Rodgers' development with Christian Watson and Dobbs and yes. some of these new receivers? Lazard had another touchdown as the right. new number one. So that, that's going to be telling. It's encouraging. It is. They got to get that, those guys the ball. You know, Watson, it's a shame he didn't get to play yesterday again because, you know, it's, he's behind the eight ball here a little bit. But, yeah, I think Rodgers has to go out of his way to force these. He's going to need these guys. When it comes December, if he wants to beat the better teams in football, December, January, guys like Dobbs, Watson, they're going to have to make plays for this team because we're not going to be able to rely on Sammy Watkins. And Randall Cobb is what he is at this point. He's a solid football player, but nobody's going to, like, alter the game plan worrying about Randall Cobb that way it's good to see Lazard out there you know the one thing I'll just say is encouraging this is you know these are the type of games that Green Bay I feel like doesn't usually win these ugly you know defensive struggles just who out hits who right and uh yeah this is something like like the 49ers playoff game last year it's it's that type of game where I always go Green Bay never wins these that's why I picked the Bucks to win but that was encouraging the fact that they were kind of gritty ugly and got it done certainly on the defensive side Devondre Campbell who had a great year last year you were somewhat skeptical coming into the year because you're like where did that come from he had a good game in this one 14 tackles that pass defense on the that, big on that two point conversion right. so one point about the Buccaneers here yeah they have scored 20 or fewer points in all three games this season they yeah. just have have three total offensive touchdowns. Now they have some injuries in the receiving core, obviously. Yeah. Gage had a fumble in this game. Right. Perryman had a fumble, fumble in this game. Right. They, they shot themselves. The ball, right. yeah. They were on the fringe field goal territory two times, and that kind of upset the drive. That certainly, yeah, could have made the game different in, in this type of setting. Sure. So what do you think? When they get the receivers back, they should be fine? I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to be like what we used to see the last few years, like what we saw at the end of the Super Bowl year or what we saw last year, 5,000 yards and 41 or 43 touchdown passes. I don't think we're going to see that. Why? Because I don't think Todd Bowles wants to play that style of football. Todd Bowles is going to be more about, wait, wait, we're going to play a brand of like, if we have to play the Rams in the divisional playoff game again, it's not going to just be like, we're going to drop Brack and Brady's going to be looking over his shoulder and ducking down and throwing bad passes. Like, I'm going to manage the game. We're going to run the ball. We're going to play in our defense and stay in it and let Brady be clutch at the end of the game to win it. I think that's the way they're going to play instead of like, well, we might lose control of the game because we're being so stubborn that we're going to throw it and be a pretty risk-it-biscuit passing team, right? I don't think Bowles is going to let them do that this year. So, yeah, they need to be healthy, as we know. And I was surprised with their lack of running game yesterday a little bit. I thought that they might still 
still even be able to push around Green Bay and, and open up some holes that way. Um, but yeah, they, they miss the weapons. They definitely miss the weapons. And you see an environment like that, like, yeah, Brady, he's, he's, he needs the weapons, as I've always said. He can do more with more, but when it's less, mm-hmm. he's not going to make a ton of plays off schedule or carry the squad that way. And, uh, you know, I think we've seen that a little here over the last two, three weeks. Yeah, the two-point conversion had to be from the seven-yard line. What, that's two like a shocker. Of, that was weird. And, and they kind of got lucky to get the touchdown play off because the play clock hit zero on that one, too. It, it, it did. It did. Now, you know, there's always that little wiggle room there. But there was a, even, I think, a play before that that was even down to, like, the last second as well where I was just going, man, I'm shocked about the, you know, lack of whatever, readiness, communication, whatever. And, and, and with the two-point play, the thing that's shocking about that is you know you have to go on the two-point play the whole way down the field. Yeah. So you should have that ready. I don't know what happened in the orchestration there, but, yeah, certainly odd. And then when the play got blown dead at the two-yard line, see, they had a look from Green Bay at the two-yard line. With Green, Green Bay was going to stop the pass. Green Bay was doubling some receivers. They had a safety that was kind of in the middle of the field, but he was really going to bracket the slot receiver. Mm. So that's why, if you watch it back, Brady goes check, check, and they were going to run the ball right up the middle because there was lack of defenders there. Oh, so wow. that takes that away once it goes to the seven, to your point, and then they, you know, they flushed him out of the pocket. And yeah. Devondre made the great play like Maybe you talked about. Maybe it was a combination of things, too. They are checking out of the play. It was late getting the play in for yeah, whatever who reason. who knows? Exactly it, right. It I'm sure them. we'll hear a little about it. Cost them. They lost by two to the Packers. Packers get the victory there. The Eagles did not have to sweat out their game again. Against the Washington Commanders, but Carson Wentz had to sweat the entire game, oh, basically. Yeah. Nine sacks by the Eagles' defense, and a combination of things that you have said right here on this podcast, which, by the way, I'm going to list all the things where if people have listened to this podcast the last couple of weeks... Things are not a surprise to them. You know, Colts offensive line being one of those. I hope I hope people recognize that. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I hope they appreciate my hard work and my evaluation. I know I'm not right about everything, but I think, yes, we've been talking about the Eagles, right? Yes. And we've been talking about the crappy Washington offensive line. Both things. Right. And the crappy dust-up defense Del Rio and Washington's <laughs> defense, okay? Yeah. Um, th- I, I will say this. I was... I, I thought Washington would be able to hang in there a little bit because I was like, you, you know, I think I love Philly's D-line. It's big. I didn't know if it's the greatest pass-rushing D-line in the world. I didn't know they'd be capable of this right there. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie about that. As good as I think they are, as much as I love watching them, I did not think they were just going to totally steamroll Washington's pass. Washington's pass protection, you know, has not been the worst. It's given them some chances. That's why they beat Jacksonville. That's why they came back a little bit against Detroit. I know Hutchinson got the three sacks in that game too. But this was just like, oh my gosh, I fear for your health, Carson Wentz. I mean, that's where it got to at one point in the football game. And like twenty four eight is like it's it's misleading, right? I mean, it just at no point did we ever feel like Washington had any chance to win the game. No, and it felt. Like like in the second half, Philadelphia kind of just took their foot off the gas pedal and was like, we're not going to risk anything, and we're just going to win the game, and we'll see you next week. Nine sacks, 17 quarterback hits. Brandon Graham had two and a half sacks in this Ooh. game. Um, but the offensive side, I think, is really kind of what... It's the star of the show. That was right, the star right? of the show yeah. for, for Philadelphia. Right. And Jalen Hurts is the first player with 900 or more passing yards and 100 or more rushing yards through three games since at least 1950. Pete couldn't be bothered to go back before 1950. We just stopped. Yeah, we stopped. Right there. Um, But he has been insane. Insane. Uh, Oh, boy. Clenda Ducap? Yeah. 
says, why isn't Jalen Hurts considered better than Josh Allen? There you go. Right. No, he, Josh Allen's never done those numbers before. Yeah. No, see, this is where you got to get, like, one guy is the team. The other guy is an important cog of the football team. This is where, I, and again, this is where I, I get the made to sound like a hater of Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is really good. There's no doubt about it. All right? There's no question. But to put him in the class of Josh Allen is is not it's not it's not fair to Josh Allen and I like Jalen Hurts don't get me wrong but literally everything Buffalo does is through Josh Allen they don't have a run game they have nothing it's all Josh Allen Philadelphia would still be dominant even if Jalen Hurts wasn't in there that's what I'm trying to point out now he makes them more dominant okay I'm not trying to take anything away from him all right and keep me real and honest here Ahmed all right but and his skill set allows them to put you in more pressure because of his ability to run and all that too with the way their team is set up. But again, this is where, you know, guys like Lamar and Josh Allen are carrying the offense. Everything is built or not built around them and we just right. go, well, they can't run, but Josh will figure it out. Josh will scramble. Josh, we'll, we'll, we'll pull a guard and Josh will run and when we need him to or he'll just make an amazing escape and, and they're not asking Jalen Hurst to do that. Philadelphia is more on the like the terms of this well-oiled machine that's unstoppable, okay? And then Jalen Hurts, of course, accentuates it to a degree, but it's different than Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes where everything is about them and their play. And that's where it's different. So I hope I say that correctly. I'm trying to explain this to people because, again, people get so caught up in this and they just think win and, oh, it's the quarterback. Uh, It's really good. Don't get me wrong. You look at the numbers, though, and it was Hurts was bottled up running the football. Nine carries, just 20 yards there, but threw for 340 yards on 22 completions. Because Washington has to go all out to stop the run. So now what's that do, Ahmed? It leaves two freaky receivers that you could argue are freakier than any receiver that he has on his team up in Buffalo, right? You know, Stephon Diggs is really good. He's awesome. Great route runner, all that. Is he the physical freak that A.J. Brown is? No. You know, and then Devontae Smith can fly. So that's what I mean. Josh Allen doesn't have the luxury of you guys have to stop out. You have to go all out to stop our run or you have no chance. And now you get like... Uh, elementary looks in the secondary to throw against. Josh Allen doesn't get that. It's a very great conversation. I don't mean to sound, you know, chippy about it. Sure. But it's something I have to answer a lot, and I'm always kind of shocked that people don't see it. You know, it's it's always funny to me because I watch college football on Saturdays, and people see it in college football. No one's going, oh, the quarterback of Georgia. Why is he not the first pick of the draft? He's not the first pick of the draft. He's not the first because he's the part of a great machine, and he's just like he just gets a completion, and they win the game, and blah blah blah. You know, I know that's not to this point, but I'm just saying in the NFL, for whatever reason, it's just we give everything to the quarterback, and I'm just saying there's more to it here with this situation. But he's doing really awesome. I don't want that to be taken for granted. Would you give me this, though, that maybe he would be, Jalen Hurts would be in the 20-ish on the Chris Sims quarterback rankings. I don't know where he was last year. But for the Eagles, to be the Eagles quarterback in this system, to do what he does both with his legs and his arms and his leadership for the Eagles, he's a top-10 quarterback for the Eagles. He should have been higher. I mean, I should have made him higher. He's obviously he's obviously proved me wrong there. I had him at twenty five. He's better than like I gave him credit for. He's, he's made, climbing up your rankings. He's made impro- he's made improvements throwing the football certainly. Oh. But you know, this is where you're going to get me in trouble too. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, you know, again, Gardner Minshew came in last year for Jalen Hurts, and that offense was awesome, and they marched up and down the field against everybody. 
That's what I, this is what I'm trying to explain to people. This is a great football team. It's the best roster in football. The only question we had was the quarterback. It's the only question, too, to the question of uh, at Clenda the Cap, right? Uh, is that who it is? Yeah. At Clenda the Cap. Th- listen, there's a reason Philly has looked to replace Jalen Hurts for two years in the offseason. They've, they've tried to. There's things that concern them about him. But hopefully he can you know, ease those worries, and he's doing that right now, and he's really good. They're not – he's going to look like this almost every week. This is, I, didn't I say this before the year? I said this. They're going to be 10-2. and two. They're going to be the number one seed in the NFC. He's going to have – they don't play anybody that can physically fuck with them on, the, on that side of the ball. So they're gonna be, he's going to get a lot of good looks. Now, he's, really, he's doing a really awesome job. I don't want to take that away. But he's not asked to do some of the other things or make some of the throws that Lamar is, that Mahomes are, that Josh Allen is. He's not. And that's where I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to explain to people, and, and you know, maybe they'll see it, maybe they MVP. won't. MVP. <laughs> MVP. Well, he could that certainly chatter, do that. Could, that chatter's going to be there if they keep playing like There's this. There's no well, doubt. My MVP for this game, yeah. and, and it was my damn O'Can or Peacock show. Right. Man, I loved watching Devontae Smith in this game. I mean, A.J. Brown's awesome, right? He used his body great on that slant, and you're, you're not going through him yeah. to get the ball down by the goal line. What a great play and throw <laughs> by Hurts there. But Devontae Smith showed it all. Speed, hops contested balls yeah a little physicality that was awesome it was awesome that's to me again the other thing is uh oh wait we gotta stop the run oh wait we gotta take away aj brown oh shit we're one-on-one with the other guy on the other side let alone you know dallas goddard who's an incredible pass catching tight end you know and and then the rest of the group's not that bad either so that's where you know they put you in a real bind and then you couple that with how shane steichen calls the game and you, they put you in some spots where you go, oh, man, I don't want to have to play this defense right here against this crew, but I have no choice or I'm going to get gashed by something else they do. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing teams pick their poison a little bit and going, we're not going to just die to slow death and let them run the ball and kill us. We're going to play some run, and we're going to see if Jalen Hurts can make the throws, right? That's what you're seeing right now. And he's saying, okay, keep doing that. We'll see. I'll keep yeah. proving you wrong. And he's doing a great job. And like I've always said, he's a very good deep ball thrower, and he always gives his guys a chance. And that's, that's, that's he throws it high. He puts it out there. And we're seeing those guys could go up and get it. Certainly a dynamic offense. At least it looked like it on the field yeah. uh, in their game yesterday. We have said that for many years on this podcast and everywhere else about the Kansas City Chiefs' dynamic offense. Yeah. Of course, they no longer have Tyreek Hill. Uh, they only put up 17 in this game. They lose to the Colts 20-17 to as we transition over into the section that Pete has titled Winless No More. That's yeah. huge. The goose egg is off the back of a lot of teams out there, including the Colts. We'll get to them in a second, but the Chiefs go down. That's always going to be the headline throughout football. You walk away from this game. Are you worried about the Chiefs and what you saw in that game? Um, I'm not worried. I, I mean... I have this. It's almost like the same worries we've always had with the Chiefs a little bit. Tyree kill or no Tyree kill, it doesn't really matter, right? To me, it's just like the 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 lack of the offense is the concern. Like Buffalo, first off, I don't trust them. Whenever they get close in the red zone, or it's a third and fourth short situation, they're not very good that way. But I think it's the the. They just call plays at times, too. You've heard me say this about some offenses. This is another thing with Kansas City. Like, after watching the Chargers game last Thursday night and watching that on film, you know, from what I could see in the game yesterday, 
They just call plays and they go, we're calling plays and we're just going to be aggressive and we have talent and Mahomes will make it happen. But there's not any like plan of attack on anything. I don't go, oh, they're playing Seattle cover three and they're running – Oh man, they're running a bunch of you know Seattle cover three beaters and just tearing them apart. No, they kind of just like we talk about. It's hey, here's a deep cross and here's a post over the top and here's another guy faking the deep cross and then running out. It's just a cool play. We like it and Mahomes has talent and our receivers are talented and it'll just work. But it's a little predictable and the spots of where they attack and where they play that way. So that's where I get concerned. And then a little bit like, I'll say this too, if I had to make another headline statement about a game here, it'd be just like we said with Miami. I I never felt like the Colts were the better football team. There was a handful of plays where you just go, oh, if Kansas City makes this play, the game's over. It's over. Whether it's the touchdown catch at the end of the, you know, at the end of the game, there was a few moments throughout. Um, But yeah, their offense concerns me in the fact of, if they don't get teams that play them a certain way, they look less than. If you don't play them a little bit of aggressive and give them some chances to push the ball down the field, then all of a sudden they start to look you know, a little bit arbitrary that way. And then when you drop a punt and give a short field touchdown and you miss a field goal and then you fake a field goal on fourth and 11 and then you get a penalty for talking mean to the quarterback, there were some bullshit calls on Kansas City at the end of the football game, uh, then you lose a game on the road in in. in, 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 in in Indianapolis. Yeah, that uh, penalty was on Chris Jones, kept the drive going. The game-winning drive turned out to be for the Colts. But there were so many other mistakes, too, from the Chiefs. In that, you know, right. Special teams missed field goal, missed extra point. A weird fake on a fourth and ten with the punter trying to convert. I don't know if that was called or if they saw something. I, I don't know. It, it looked like it was called. I it didn't did think it was like it was, like it was something where... You know, oh, I bobbled the snap, and now I'm, you know, going fire, fire, fire to let people know, like, you know, we're doing, you know, we're we're doing the fake here. Um, so, so yeah, that was that was odd to me. You yeah. know, the defense certainly played good enough for them to win the football game. Hundred percent. They bottled up the run game. They harassed Matt Ryan. Right. They they caused a few strip sack fumbles on him. He lost one of them. Uh, you know, they, they had their opportunities. They really did. They just didn't take advantage. They made some mistakes. And, you know, I think um, it's just too spotty, the offense. I think that's the biggest thing I come to. It is. It's too spotty at times. And it, like, like I said, it's just it's, it, it's, it's a lack of attack or a plan of attack and, and surgicality, I think, that, that bothers me. They're a little bit just, hey, they're maybe arrogant. We just call plays and it's going to work. And, okay, cool, but they're playing you this way. And those plays that you're calling today, they're not going to work against the way they're playing you. So we've got to come up with a different plan and attack it a different way. And sometimes you just don't see those adjustments from Kansas City. A lack of surgicality. Are you right? That's, That's got to be a new one. That, Have you done that one I don't before? know. I think I probably have i think i probably have but yeah I, I, you know it's it's another one that's it's hard to put your that's really what it comes down to to me in yeah. a lot of times yeah. and, and i hope i'm explaining that the right way uh i did think it at halftime yeah it was kind of interesting and jerry charles did see this as well he goes what do you make of the sideline argument between mahomes and eric Bieniemy? is that a bad sign for the chiefs offense so it was like 20 seconds left right mahomes won they were almost at midfield yeah couple completions they're in field goal range now we saw what happened with their kicking game they might not have made the field goal but Mahomes was visibly upset and he said so after the game that he wanted to keep the foot on the gas and it was a three-point game yeah well yeah it's 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 I understand that that's the way they play I gotta think the field goal kicker was part of that situation I mean what he's done nothing to give them ton of confidence and you know even in the first half there were some moments too of just shaky play by Mahomes in the offense too 
to where I think they were just like, you know what, let's just let's get in and call it a day right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't exactly like juggernauts in the first half either. This is where you got to remember. They have a touchdown drive that was a four-play, 35-yard drive, right, after the strip sack, right? And then the other touchdown drive uh, at the end of the first half was a five-play, 21-yard drive. And what was that? That might have been the strip sack. The other one might have been the go for it on fourth down. I got I to gotta make sure I, I got this right here because this is going to drive me crazy here. Um, yeah, so I got it here. Second and nine to make it 14-10 was the strip sack on Matt Ryan. So that gave added a five play twenty one yard drive. Five plays twenty one yard drive to go up by four points, fourteen to ten yeah. at that point. The drive before that was a ten play twenty eight yard drive. Right. Yeah, they weren't they weren't really ten play twenty eight yard drive, right? And that's what I mean. There was a lack of big plays. Yeah. And and even on the, the four play thirty five yard uh touchdown drive to to give them and make the game, I believe, seven six, right? I just want to make sure that was another, you know, Strip sack, right? That was another strip sack on Matt Ryan. Am I correct about that? Yeah, it was a fourth and one, and he got sacked there. So it was short fields, you know, and I really thought that this was an offense that was going to have its way with the Gus Bradley defense. They did last year in in the the Raiders. I'm going to be interested to see what Indianapolis did to kind of change things up on that side of the ball that made things hard on Mahomes and company. we got to get to the next game, but last thing here. You, you called it last week. You said that Colts offensive line, we've been hyping them up for years, and they have been good for years and opening up holes and pass protecting for the quarterbacks. Gave up five sacks, ten quarterback hits on uh, Matt Ryan, who did pull it together in that game-winning drive. He was 8 of 10 for 55 yards, so give credit there. Yeah, But they, they still have – they won this game. Congratulations. Yeah, right. Still some issues, it correct? Definitely issues. It's, it's, it's like it not, didn't, nothing looks good about them right now. You know, hey, the defense, yeah, way to go, way to hang in there, certainly. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's uh, concerning with the way he looks. It's concerning that they can't find more ways to make explosive plays in the pass game. And, yeah, the running game is just okay. It's nothing special. And Kansas City whipped their butt up front. There's no question about that. Close game uh, out in... Tennessee land, Nashville. Tennessee land, huh? Yeah, I was trying to figure out where this game was. It was in it was in Nashville, right? Yeah. Yes, it was. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the Titans win at home for the first time. They have won this season. Didn't want to drop to 0-3 for the first time since 2009. So it's the Raiders that have dropped to 0-3 now, 24-22. Although it got close late. Derrick Henry got going kind of yeah. in this game. 20 carries for 85 yards. Was a part of the pass game, though, as well. 58 yards uh, through the air. Some... Some good plays by Tannehill. They, they grinded out a win. It was a much-needed win. I yeah. think that there are still probably things that Mike Vrabel is concerned about. But, boy, oh, boy, of, of both these teams needed a win. One team was going to get it, and, uh, and the Titans walk away with yeah. it. What do you think from this game? I think the Tennessee at least got back to like the formula that we know is successful for them. I think that's the encouraging thing. Really, there was you know, points in the game – in the first half, really, where I went, they're unstoppable. There was nothing they could do. It was He was running the ball at a good clip every time he got the ball that way, and they were hitting big play action passes with Ryan Tannehill. That's when they're at their best. I mean, I literally at one point in my game, I just went, Titans are doing whatever they want on, on offense right now. You know, that, that, that made it 24-10. You know, slowly but surely, the Raiders started to kind of pick them apart in the second half, got some things going. 
Uh, it seemed like Tennessee kind of took their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. You know, what happens in a lot of these games, too, is, you know, one team just starts to play on the edge. Wait, we're, we're in trouble here. We're down 24-10, so you take a few more chances and risks while the other team is trying to play. Wait, we don't want to take too many risks and let them back in the game with one or two dumb mistakes right away. And that looked like is really what kind of happened throughout this one. And then, yeah, Derek Carr and company kind of got in a, in a little bit of a rhythm in the end of the game and made things very close. I mean, really close. But Tennessee, I'm still hopeful about them. Yeah, I am. No Taylor Lewan. I know it's going to hurt for the rest of the year. Yes, that hurts. The Their O line, line is not going to be as dominant. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but I, I'm not going to give up on them quite yet. And I think when their defense kind of gets totally healthy here, I got faith in them that they're going to make life hard on some quarterbacks too. So you're going to give up on the Raiders? That's the question because they had some mistakes. Derek Carr made some good plays, but had the pick in the end zone off a. Uh, Multiple hands and yeah, Waller, pass, so that right. was a, that was a pick, and they didn't convert the two point conversion late that would have tied it. Another tip pass there, although they did hit Mac Hollins for some big plays, including forty eight yards on the fourth and fifteen. Got a question here from Tripod Two X. Yeah, says the Raiders have struggled in the red zone. Is this a Derek Carr thing? Question mark. I don't think it is. I think it's probably Derek Carr getting used to a whole new way of life and how the red zone offense is for Josh McDaniels and that approach. I would think that's part of it. Um, teams are, hey, they put you in you know, some tough binds there, and, and we've seen some teams, we talked about it last week, where they do some creative things, worrying about Waller, worrying about Devontae Adams. Yeah. And I think that's probably given them a, a little issue there too. Carr just has yet to seem to find his rhythm within the offense completely. Yeah. It hasn't been bad, but like we talked about in week one, you know, there's moments of staying on receivers too long or staring a guy down. You know, I think he's still kind of finding his footing within the system that's totally different than anything he's been a part of in his career. But Tripod 2X does also note in his question, uh, John Gruden, Josh McDaniels, Greg Olson, Bill Musgrave, doesn't matter the OC. He has had trouble for years, and they are 26th in the red zone this year. They have not been higher than 22nd in the past five seasons. Can you put that on the shoulders of Derek Well, Carr? maybe, you know. I would put it in, in a lot of years on him, maybe lack of like, you know, throwing lasers or throwing the fastball down there yeah. a little bit, making some aggressive throws. I don't find that to be. I think McDaniel's, and I think I said this in week one, he's been firing. That's the one thing that's I think really good. The thing that hurts them too a little bit is, you know, they're not great at pass protection, and they don't have a run game that teams really respect once they get in there. All right, so you know, here we are. We're inside the seven-yard line. The safeties aren't as deep now. Things are close to the line of scrimmage, so now they can react to the run game really quick. And there's no threat of that down there, you know, to to go with the rest of their offense yet. That I think is going to make things you know open up and a little bit easier that way. So you know, this is. I think we're going to see a lot of games like this from the Raiders. The Raiders, to me, it was a miracle last year they got in the playoffs to a degree. This year, it's, yeah, a different coaching staff. And as we've said, I don't think this coaching staff has the type of players they want quite yet. And they're going to be a pain in the butt, but I think they're going to lose a lot of heartbreakers as the year goes on. They've already done that. They've lost their three games by a total of 13 points. And so they have been close but winless so far. The Bengals were winless before they played the New York Jets. They got a win, a pretty easy one. 27-12 was the final score. A lot of things working. Trey Hendrickson on the defensive side 
couple strip sacks, Joe Flacco, who seemed oblivious to the fact that they were Thank you. people around him trying right. to tackle him. Yeah. That was, was a problem. It definitely was a problem. I mean, I, I should have said that about Matt Ryan, too, in the Colts game a little bit. But, yes, uh, Flacco, uh, he, it's like the gift and the curse. His ability to block out the pass rush is very impressive. But the fact that he blocks it out to such a degree where you're like, wait, no, that, that guy that just ran by you, he's, he's not going to stop. He's going to come back and try to get you. And he'll just still be looking down the field and patting the football. And he is oblivious to it at times to where, yeah, it's, you know, there was – Three fumbles, he, he was close to fumbling three other ones. I know he lost two of them. But, the, you know, the, the story of the game is not – we knew the Cincinnati D was good. Cincinnati's D has been good the whole year. They've been playing plenty good for them to win a football game. They finally made some plays on the offensive side of the ball. And then the, the pass rush for the Jets wasn't so overwhelming – that it allowed Joe Burrow to dance around and make a few plays to where he wasn't just like, whoa, I got to make this guy miss. Whoa, poof, I'm, yeah. I got crushed. Like He at least had some room to, uh, to operate a little bit, and he made a lot of plays like that yesterday. So and the, I mean, really the did. stats still did note that he was under pressure 13 of his pass attempts, three touchdowns in right. those 13 pass attempts, wow. the first career time that he has had multiple touchdowns when classified as under pressure okay so he did make some of those uh some of those touchdowns i can't believe that jamar chase one was under pressure though they left remember that they, the Jets one got they didn't messed cover him, up. they're calling that as a under pressure I guess, throw i gotta, right? I gotta pete? remember yeah pete i guess they're calling that under well, maybe pressure. somebody was off the edge there real quick and maybe. came free and he got the ball out I, yeah. I gotta i gotta look at it again but i'm yeah. holding pete responsible for this under pressure stat for the bengals right now <laughs> the Pete's big play bangles on, once again on resurfaced the that's yeah. the big thing they got the ball into the receiver's hands uh it looked like the Jets made a conservative effort not to let Chase, you know, gash them in the past game. Yeah, he only had 29 yards on six catches. Yeah, so. it seemed like there was a, a plan win. there, certainly. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, but hey, Boyd and Higgins, they're, they're hell of a player, too. And that, you know, the all-out blitz where he hit Boyd for the long touchdown pass, that, that, that was, you know, really the part of the game where you went, it, things changed a little bit. And you felt like Cincinnati kind of controlled the game from that point on. Sean Stevens says, is Robert Sala now on the hot seat? The defense has had too many communication breakdowns, and there doesn't seem to be any adjustments being made in-game. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go in the hot seat yet. Their defense is better than it's been, but not special. Uh, I, I will say that. And, and you know, that a lot of young guys, a lot of new free agents, there's a lot of rules in that defense Okay, that you know I, I think is new to guys, and they're still working out the kinks there. Um, but yeah, they have to be. We talked about this a little last year. A little bit worried, or, or at least cautious, of not being a little too predictable with how they play and changing it up, changing the looks, changing the coverages a little bit. That to me has been their biggest problem in the Sala era. They play hard, they're physical, but they can become a little too predictable, and that leads to some of these big plays that, that we see quarterbacks make against them. Now, speaking of the hot seat, yeah. I'll bet the hottest seat is Matt Rule in Carolina. Yeah, 10-25 and 25 as a head coach coming into yesterday's game against the Saints. They had uh, the danger of falling down to 0 and 3. They got the win, got out to the lead. 22 14 was the final score, thanks in part to a Alvin Kamara early fumble. Yep. Marquise Haynes took it back 44 yards. A 98 taking it back. He was fast for a 98. He was fast one of the for faster 98. 98s I think that <laughs> you've ever seen in the NFL. Maybe yeah, you're right. In NFL history, uh, gave Carolina 
the early lead there. So obviously some concerns here for the Saints, but let's just start with Carolina because, man, that was much needed. They snap a nine-game losing streak. It was a seven-game home losing streak. Of all teams that really needed a win, I mean, Carolina might have been up there number one. I, I would, Yeah, they definitely were up there. I, it's, it's a win. They got a win. That's great. But there's still things where you just go, I don't know. I don't. Can they really win games consistently like this? I mean, it, their offense sucks. I don't know any other way to say it. It sucks. They, they, they don't do anything. You know, yeah, they got the strip sack. That got them up 7 nothing, And then mm. it was two ugly field goal drives where, you know, I mean, they just barely patch it together with an ugly run or one completion here or whatever. One highlight, LaVisca Chenault. LaVisca Chenault was the big play of the day in the pass game. So, but, yeah, that, that, there seems to be no rhythm there. You know, the run game, okay, McCaffrey had a solid day. There's no doubt about that. But, yeah, I still worry about it overall. I don't go, oh, wow, they got they righted the ship here. Watch out for them. I mean, there's, there's too many times in my ro- notes where I wrote, the Panthers, oh, not doing shit. Right, I mean, they couldn't do anything at certain points of the football game, um, but you know, put it together. And I think the big thing is, they just didn't make big mistakes like New Orleans did. And New Orleans, between um, that fumble, right, had a field goal blocked, had another short field goal missed, or you know, a makeable field goal. Uh, you know, th- th- that was a huge part of the football game. The, the the Saints actually moved the ball between the 30s and stuff and made some plays, but just couldn't capitalize altogether. Is Jameis back to being Jameis Wince T.O.? Do you get it? <laughs> just thought of that. Uh, five interceptions in the last two games, three interceptions in his first eight starts with the Saints. Of course, no Sean Payton. People are going to make a connection there. Uh, what do you think with Winston? They've, they miss Sean Payton. I think that's pretty clear at this point. Not that last year they were like this unbelievable offensive juggernaut without Drew Brees, but we saw a few plays and an attitude about their offense that got it done. You know, Sean Payton, that's the one thing you can count on him. Creativity, a few plays to go, hey, up yours, I got this play this week. And then, like, Sean Payton's toughness as a man showed with their football team. And they were tough at running the football and had a physical nature about them. You know, Alvin Kamara does not quite look does not look quite the same to me. Their run game does not look as dominant, and you know their their offense. I don't want to blame it on Jameis. It just doesn't seem to have quite the same flow it did with with Sean Payton. And I think that's something that they're probably in the process of working on. Baker Mayfield just 170 yards to swip, uh, switch back to the Carolina offense here. And George Nilsson says, "Is Baker giving DJ Moore the Odell treatment?" Uh oh, I, I can't imagine. Right, I mean, I one catch for two yards in the game. They they have this is not this is Ben McAdoo treatment. I mean, this is what Odell was mad in New York, right? Because he couldn't get the ball under Ben McAdoo all the time. You know, they they are, have a problem getting their playmakers the ball in space and and letting them make some plays that way. Even the long play by Lavisca Chenault, it's as basic as it gets. It was three receivers to the left, okay? Two, the two outside receivers ran a slant. LaVisca Chenault ran into the flat at one yard. It's the most basic concept in football, all right? But, you know, they were, the Saints were trying to disguise it. The safety came down late to cover Chenault man-to-man. He was in space. He made that guy miss. And then Honey Badger decided he didn't want to tackle him in space because he was like, whoa, that guy's big and fast, so I'm going to give it the OLA treatment here. And that was off to the races. 
But yeah, that's an issue for them. How do how DJ Moore needs to have the ball in his hands eight, ten times a game, whether it's reverses, speed sweeps, toss sweeps like Debo Samuel. Um, but they're they're doing themselves a disservice by not giving him the ball. Did have six targets, only yeah. one catch yeah. though in the game. Carolina did get the win though, despite uh, the lack of production from one of their playmakers. The Falcons got the win. They got production from a couple of their playmakers in this game. Kyle Pitts, yeah, eighty-seven yards. Cordero Patterson, who you you love, Cordero. I love him. You were gushing about him in our yeah. screening room there. Yeah, Cordero is a. I mean, he's just a no nonsense downhill runs with his hair on fire running back. And you know, I think you couple with that with the fact that hey, they got a pretty physical offensive line there in in Atlanta. That's one of the bright spots of the football team. Mariota's ability to run the ball a little off that it's a dangerous aspect of their their offensive game plan. And then you know. To a, a certain extent, or a poorer man's extent of like Philadelphia, they get you in those molds, and then it's always oh, one on one with you know Pitts. Pitts early on was phenomenal, and Seattle adjusted, and then we kind of it seemed like we saw Drake London take over the show a little bit in the second half of the football game. But yeah. um, I wasn't surprised they won this football game. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of faith in Seattle's offense as a whole, and we know their defense is nothing special. Um, so. You know, I, I think you know Mariota, London, Pitts. They they were and and you said a Cordero Patterson. They were the difference in the football game and just making more plays in some big moments than anybody on Seattle did. Career high, 141 rush yards on 17 carries for Patterson in this one. Hunter J. Barlow says, "What is going on with the Falcons? They might not get the top pick in the draft. <laughs> I didn't even think they would be respectable. I mean, I think a lot of people probably would have put money on either Houston or Atlanta." getting the number one pick, and they look like they might be downright average. Could have won there. I mean, they came back against uh, the Rams last week. Right. We had, had that the lead, lead against, against the Saints, Saints week I know. one. Yeah. I mean, what they win last year? They won a surprising like number of games last, last year. year, right? It, yeah. the, to Who me, the, the star of their shows is their coaching. You know, Arthur Smith is a really good offensive football coach, and his toughness as a man shows on their football team. And then Dean Pease – He's creative, too. And one thing you can count on Dean P is, like, if you're too simple on offense, he's going to break down that formula. And he's one of those guys who's going to have people dropping in the right spots and everywhere. You know, so, yeah, they're, they're respectable. I, I think they're going to be, like, in a lot of games like this, if it's not the Seahawks, they'll probably lose a lot of them. But, like, we're always going to come away going, man, Atlanta, they're no pushover. I, I do think you're going to see that a lot through the year. I just don't know if they have enough playmakers on either side of the ball to consistently win games. They do what they do really well. What we do on this podcast is a section called Damn. Damn. Okay. Damn. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambling. Oh, baby. I am Chris Sims. I'm okay. Damn. Okay. Damn, okay. Damn. And we start with our Sunday night football game. Whoa. A high-scoring affair. One team scored 11, all the way up to 11, Whoa. right? That's a that's a hell of a baseball they game. Tur- they turned it up to 11, like Spinal Tap, <laughs> a movie I've seen. I'm very proud of myself. Uh, Broncos beat the 49ers 11-10. to 10. We're going to give the damn okay. Got to be a defensive guy. We're going to give it to Patrick Sertan. The second, zero completions allowed on six targets, although that was against a 49ers passing attack that looked very, very, very bad. Derek Weatherford asks, did Jimmy struggle because of a lack of training camp or because it's Jimmy? 
Thanks, guys. Great podcast. It's a good question. I do think the lack of a training camp has certainly hasn't helped the situation. I mean, he wasn't given a playbook, right, like we talked about last night. They did not expect him to be there. He did not take one practice rep in training camp until, what, the week before the NFL, the first opening game of the year. Right, So yeah, he's probably not hitting on all cylinders. And then you're the backup, and Trey Lance is a starter. You're not getting it all there. But also, like, you know, it, Jimmy G reminded us of all why they were in the quarterback market a few years ago and why this has been an issue. You know, it's, it's, it is un, unpredictable for him, too. And one of those last night was one of those games, right, where we have games where maybe Jimmy G looked good and he played good. But, you know, we had a bunch of these games down the stretch last year and other moments, too, where you just go, what the hell? He's played so much. How the hell could he do that? How could he throw that? How could he miss that read, right? Plays were left on the field. You know, and I, you know, I get a little sick of, like, the, well, the 49ers have this record when Jimmy G starts. Okay, yeah, but I could give you 20 other quarterbacks, so that record would be just the same. It's not special. That's why they're trying to replace him there. And last night... Hey, I was more hopeful for at least a better game, you know, attack and overall. Yeah. We know the Broncos' defense is good. EJ Evero has a pretty good feel for Shanahan. But, like, you know, it, it's moments like we broke down on the a highlight show last night where they have a game plan specific play on the bunch receivers to the right. And Debo Samuel screaming down the right hand side, and he's wide open. Nobody's covering him. But for some reason, he decided not to listen to his coach who told him all week, wait, if we do this, we're going to mess them up on how they pass this three-on-three matchup up. And he doesn't. He looks over there for a second and gets off of it. And it's just like, wow, I guess he doesn't like throwing wide-open touchdowns. We showed another play, right, where Debo Samuel comes out of the backfield and acts like he's going to run like a little choice route and break inside, but he stutters and then goes up the left sideline. He's being covered by Josie Jewell. I mean, you might be able to beat Josie in a race. But instead, what happened, Naman? What happened? Do you remember that throw? Uh, the Debo Samuel down the left sideline. Remember that one? Like Debo had to turn around and yep. backpedal like yep. he was catching a punt return. And, f- and fell down. And fell his, down out of bounds. Rear, where you go, yeah. if you just hit some running, he's going to run for a touchdown. Yeah. So points and plays left on the field, and then all of a sudden you're in a dogfight, and then all of a sudden you're backed up, and you forget that the end zone's 10 yards deep and that you do that. And so, the, so Jimmy G did a great job of reminding everybody why Shanahan and company traded to get the third pick of the draft, yeah, even job. though that can be questionable too. I get that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was not pretty on that side of the ball by him by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and it wasn't pretty when they were backed up near their own goal line, near their own end zone, and then Jimmy G pulled a pulled a Danny O. I mean, wor- I mean in, in some ways worse than a Danny O. I, Danny O was really he he really spent a lot of time out of bounds when he was running around back there. But uh, Dan Orlovsky was obviously <laughs> watching that game because he's a football game. He tweeted yeah. out this this morning a step brothers with Dan Orlovsky's face there. Uh, if you're familiar with the play, Dan Orlovsky with my Detroit Lions yeah. was sprinting around, scrambling. Took about well, seven steps out of bounds. Well, well out of the back of the end zone. Jimmy G just had two feet, you know, just, you know, he was barely out of the end zone. But he was out, and Kyle Shanahan, after the game, took the blame took on the that. Blame. Said it was a bad call, right. in a bad He said all the there. right things. But the funny thing is, is like that wasn't even the worst part of that play. The worst part of that play came after he stepped out of bounds. That's where I was going to say it's worse than what Orlovsky did. First yeah. off, you know, it's a you're dropping back, right? You're setting up. You got to have an awareness of knowing. Wait, wait, I can't go back. Like back is not an option here. 
The fact that that does not go through his brain to me is unbelievable. And uh, again, I think most quarterbacks are so paranoid about that when they get in that situation, they can't even like maybe make the right read or the right throw because they're like, oh gosh, I can't. It's back there. It's back there. The fact that he could be that oblivious to it to me is it's almost admirable. I just go, oh my gosh, ignorance is bliss. It's unreal. <laughs> um, but at the same time, too, like you said, it was just gonna th- gonna throw the ball to covered people in the flat, backed up, and give them a pick six if he doesn't step out of bounds. I mean that that was remarkable too. So it was ugly on that side of the ball. 49ers made plenty of mistakes in the football game yeah and they have plenty of experience of yeah that kind of game and then you leave the ball in russell wilson's hands late in the game yeah russell wilson's gonna outduel jimmy garoppolo in that situation and that's what he did that was cool there, there was, was. Some, there were some turnovers in the game three what two fumbles and interception by the 49ers and i'm sorry denver bronco fans if you're tuning in you're like come on we actually won this game and they did they had that 12 play 80 yard drive yep Put it all together at the end of the game when it all mattered. But up until that point, I'm sorry, Broncos fans, yeah, nothing. was not very good. No. Russell Wilson, nine three and outs, most in a game in Wilson's career, most by a uh, by Denver in a single game since 1991. It just uh, it it looks off. You don't know if it's still Nathaniel Hackett trying to figure out Russell Wilson, vice versa. But you mentioned it plenty of times. Russ just doesn't look like the Russ that we've seen in the past. No. No, I think not they're, yet. They're, yeah, you're right. And I don't know. We'll see what it happens. I mean, the one thing that I go, not yet, when I go, and you say not yet, and I go, I don't know if it's going to happen or not, is Russell Wilson magic, right? I think you've heard me enough over the last year ago. I do think he's lost a step. We don't see very many plays of him scrambling or making those plays anymore. I mean, I get a lot of questions on social media of why doesn't Russell scramble and run like he used to? I don't think he can to the same degree. I don't. You know, we know we were talking about before, uh, after the game last night, like his rushing is, it, it's certainly not what it was early in his career, not only because of read options and stuff like that, but his ability to like, wait, I don't like what I see. And now I can hit a gap and run for 15 yards. He doesn't do that anymore either. Right. So there's a little concern with me there with Russell Wilson. I think when you couple that together with my second concern with Russell Wilson is lack of being a rhythm thrower, right? He... It's so rare, and especially if it's over the middle of the field, he can't see it. He doesn't want to throw it. He doesn't trust it unless he can see it so clear and plain as day that, okay, wait, he is wide open. I'll throw it. And as you've heard me explain before, for quarterbacks, you know, hey, taller, yes, you have an advantage. You can see see over guys a little bit more. But it's it's like you got to process information, and it's little you know frames, still shots of like, oh wait, there's a window. There's oh wait, all right, there's another there's another window. He's in there, and you got to be able to have a feel of wait, you know that window to throw in, and I know what coverage they're in, and this guy shouldn't be here, and you got to be able to trust that he doesn't trust that, so he throws very few balls in rhythm over the middle of the field that hurts them that way, and then I think you add that also into wait no scrambling doesn't do that that great and they're learning their way in a new offense under Nathaniel Hackett and let's not forget the 49ers will be one of the three or four best defenses in football when it's all said and done there's no doubt about that to where yeah things were were hard yeah credit to them for not making all the fucked up mistakes that the 49ers did yeah you know that's allow ourselves to punt allow ourselves to punt we'll play an ugly game 
we have Russell Wilson, and we think that you give us the ball back late in the game down a score, we'll win because of him. We've seen that in the We've past. Seen We've seen that in the past. Exactly been, they've right. They've played that way in the past. But who knows? That's a good question. Has he has he lost a step? One guy that I, that I don't think has lost a step and actually may have gained a step, if that's possible. Lamar Jackson will give him a damn okay in the Oof. Ravens' win we over the Patriots. need to give Patriots. him two of them or three of them. Well, let's take a look at his numbers from week three because they are insane. It is his seventh career game with 200 or more passing yards, 100 or more rushing yards. No other player since 1950. Pete, you can't go back before 1950? I feel like we should go back before 1950. No player since uh, 1950 has more than three of those games. If you're watching here, yeah, yeah, over 200 through the air, 100 on the ground. I think right now, if the season were to end today for some bad reason, he's the MVP. Do you agree? I think I do. Yeah, I do. It, you know, yeah, probably. Right. You know, Who else him, would it be? Allen Hurts, Josh Allen. Allen, right? I think we're, we're kind of naming the, the guys that are at the top of the list there. You know, but again, but this is where we get in this conversation. You know, people probably want to throw two in that conversation. I just go, see, this is a different animal of what Lamar and Josh Allen have to do for their football team. First off, I don't think Baltimore's defense is all that in a bag of chips, all right? Again, they don't really have a very good running game, as we saw. He is the running game. And then his throwing is off the charts good. It's off the charts good. You know, they don't always get optimal looks because of the running game. Not always. People don't respect it the way they used to two or three years ago. And, you know, they're still finding their way with their weapons. Rashad Bateman looks like he is the real deal. I will say that. And we know Mark Andrews is real, too. But, yes, I mean, Lamar is off the charts good. He really is. I think you couple that with his playmaking ability and then, you know, the Patriots being sloppy and turning the ball over and doing some dumb stuff themselves. Um, yeah, Baltimore got the big win on the road. Easy Money Chive says, last week you said Allen and Mahomes are in a class of their own. Do you think Lamar Jackson should be considered to be in that class? I, I, I do. I do. do. Right now I do. You know, The only reason I didn't throw him in there a little bit is just like last year was not his best year, right? There were some choppy parts of the season. Altogether, I probably should have thrown him in that conversation last week. I feel like I said some of that stuff when we were talking about the Dolphins game. Yeah, I mean, it, it's special what he's doing. And, yes, I would throw him in that class. I would. And, and you know, in a lot of ways, he's playing cleaner football than my Patrick Mahomes right now. I know Patrick Mahomes just threw his first interception of the year, but, I mean, he had, what, like three dropped against the Chargers? And he's, he's gotten away with a few, too. Um, yeah, I just think with Lamar, what he does, his skill set, the fact that the team's built around him and what he does there, it's really been like really, really special. And, and man, is he going to put them in a bind if he keeps playing like this? Other side of the ball, Mac Jones had three interceptions, weren't great, although did throw for over 300 yards when asked to bring him down the field. Uh, we saw him leave the game. Afterwards, reports of a high ankle sprain last night. Bill Belichick talked about it this morning, said, quote, just quickly on Mac, really no update on him, nothing definitive at this point. Hope that he can get back out there and uh, and play again. And you didn't like the the hit that hit him, took him out of the game. Calais Campbell basically jumped on him and put his whole weight on him and then brought him down. He left the ground, grabbed his shoulders, and did the dead weight, right? Uh, that that like that to me is a very dangerous thing in football right now. And yeah, I don't think there was any reason for that. I don't. I'm Clayus Campbell. I know is not a dirty player, but yeah, that was. I I wonder if he'll get fined for it. I do. Mm. You know, just for the almost the dead weight rule. I don't know how that goes, but yeah, I, I thought that was a little maybe unnecessary. 
But Mac Jones made a ton of really good throws and plays in the game. I mean, they had it going with Devontae Parker and company. But his three interceptions, you know, they were all bad. Especially, I don't, the, the last one where he got his hurt, his ankle hurt, and they're down, he's got to press the issue. It was bad, but okay, I don't worry about that. The two before that were bad, where I just went, I, I can't believe Mac Jones just threw that right there. I'm, I'm shocked by it. I really am. I mean, he had the one down in field goal territory, right? They're in the red zone. He just, he's off his back foot and throws it up to Marlon Humphrey. And then I think the Josh Bynes interception, he's got a guy in the middle of the field and just didn't see him, if I remember correctly. I think that's about how it shook out there. Um, but yeah, I found those to be bad interceptions, you know, and then you, you couple, uh, yeah, you, you, you couple that with the guy on the other side of the field and Lamar, yeah. you're going to be in big trouble that way. You know, um, so that that was a big win for the Ravens. Definitely, yep. it wasn't an easy win either. They they had to rely on some of their playmakers to make some big plays. Yeah, credit to the Ravens for forcing some of those turnovers, right. especially Hamilton. the fumble. Kyle Hamilton, right. that was a big moment. Uh, Aguilar had that big play. Kyle Hamilton hit it, got it out of there. So uh, Ravens get the win. They look pretty good. The Jaguars. Speaking of defenses that have impressed early on in this season, the Jaguars get the win. Are damn okay. And their win over the Chargers goes to Devin Lloyd, guy out of Utah, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, seven tackles, had an interception, three passes defensed. He is the first NFL linebacker since 2015 with two interceptions in his first three career games. There's the nugget of the day on Devin Lloyd. Um, here's another one of those things where if you're listening to this podcast, back in the preseason, you saw him in the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame kickoff game. You go, dang. That Jaguars defense looks, they look the part. The team, the team whole team looks, looks the, part. the part. Yeah, they right. look big, they look yeah. good. Trevor looks better. Right. Um, man, they that was as impressive a win as we saw yesterday. What would you think of it? I, I, I would watch out for the Jaguars. Where I kept saying, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs and be a pain in the butt here. And, you know, be, like the, the, they, the, watch out. The, the, there's not a weakness on their football team. That's where the thing, you know, just as I watch here, I just go, Tell me the area. The one we questioned the offensive line a little bit. I mean, they did a pretty good job yesterday. I didn't hear, you know, I know Bosa got hurt, but I didn't hear Bosa, Khalil Mack, or any of those guys' names very often, right? So the O line, and we didn't hear anything with the Colts the week before and their pass rushers and DeForest Buckner and Yannick Ngakwe and Quiddy Pay. So that part's good. And then they can run the ball, and Trevor Lawrence is playing phenomenal. And then you couple that with, you know, my man crush, the defense on all three levels, and then they're really well coached by defensive coordinator Mike Caldwell. Yes, it's just, they're, they're real. You know, and I, I still think the Chargers are real, too. I, I really do. You know, hey, it's, it's heartbreaking loss, you know, Herbert playing injured a little bit, and things kind of just got rolling the wrong direction here. You know, it was, it was a 16-10 to 10 game with 12 minutes left in the third quarter. But after that, it just seemed like Herbert was holding the ball, couldn't see anybody open. He was under pressure, and the Jaguars just kind of put their foot on their throat and made some long, you know, tough drives to score touchdowns and really put the game away to where the Chargers were out of reach. Yeah, Spaghetti Boy fan account, you asked if the Jaguars are for real. Chris gave the answer right there. You think this is this is real? I do think this like is real. In the play, are they in the playoff conversation? Uh, they now? are for me, for sure. You know, I always said I thought they were the team to watch out that could come out of nowhere to maybe be in the playoffs. After seeing three weeks of play here, I would go, yeah, they're a playoff caliber team. There's no doubt about it. And the way he's spreading the ball around, you know, their run game, they have balance that way. Um, 
you know, there there's a lot to like about the way they're playing, and and like you know, like you said too, there's playmakers too. It doesn't always have to go as planned. They have guys that can go above and beyond. Devin Lloyd's a freak of nature in the middle of that line, that that defense. You know, and then you add that with the pass rushers and uh, Lou Kwan is the other linebacker in the secondary. Yeah, they're a really good football team that I think is here to stay and, and going to be a major player in the AFC. Yeah, Josh Allen had a career-high eight quarterback pressures against a quarterback. They didn't need those pressures with Justin Herbert playing despite the, the rib injury, rib cartilage injury, yeah, I guess right. is what it is. And he was out there for the whole game too. played the final drive even though they were down 28 points with five minutes left. Brandon Staley saying, quote, he wanted to be out there with his teammates. Herbert said after the game, it's what the team needs. Sometimes you have to put your goals and everything behind the team. I felt like I was safe out there. I mean, it's really easy to question the decision to, to play him one in this game because it did look like he was in pain. Right. Um, but certainly to play him at the end of the game. Do you question both of those things? I don't question the end of the game. Yes. I did not. I did not understand why it was thirty-eight to ten or even twenty-nine to ten at you know late in the game where I'm going. Just just get them out. Let's live to play another day. It's not your day, Chargers, and let's move on. Uh, so the, that I didn't starting. I have no problem with that. You know, again, that's where he's a grown man. You got to feel it out a little bit. I even think a Justin Herbert at ninety percent is better than Chase Daniel, definitely. And this wasn't like oh Justin Herbert's struggling because. I didn't go, oh, man, this is he's really struggling because his ribs and all that. They struggled. They struggled because Jacksonville's defense is real. And I, this is where I worry about the Chargers a little bit. Little lack of a running game. You've heard me talk about lack of creativity with big plays from their offense. And then can their defense stop the running game? Those are the three things we got to watch with them on that side of the ball. Herbert's going to manage this. He'll be okay. Um, but... But, uh, yeah, that was a tough group they ran into. Yeah. Jacksonville's believing right now. And here's another aspect of the game that I thought was huge, okay, just to hit on this because I'm, I'm going through my notes here and looking a little. It's like the first two drives of the game, Doug Peterson almost went for it on fourth and short when they were down there close to the field goal, right, and didn't do it, kicked the field goal, got positive momentum going to where I feel like old Doug Peterson was like, oh, fuck it, we're going for it, right? So they got on the board going up 6-0, right? So got up, and what would you say, Pete? It was fourth and three. Yeah, right. So you had a fourth and three in the fourth. Where they lined up like they were going to go for it, and then they said, oh, wait, let's not do it. Let's kick the field goal. I thought that was really positive. And then, and then what happens? You know, oh, we're up 6 nothing. We got some positive vibes going. Justin Herbert drops back to pass. And I believe he got strip sacked, and that left a short field, and then they finally scored the touchdown. And you go, hey, we're up 13 nothing. So that, to me, was big part of the game. They got in control of the game, and then as the game went on, Doug went for it, I think, once or twice on fourth down to twice, help them yeah. get over it, right? Yeah, they, they converted a couple of yeah, them. Yeah, they did, two right. for three on fourth That down, was the right thing, hit. though. Yeah. Not early on. Get your young team confidence. Get them, hey, we believe we can win this game on the road. We're up 3 nothing. We're up 6 nothing. And, you know, that gets everybody going and gets the pass rush going. And, you know, what was it? The interception set up the first field goal, right, to ma- or second field goal to make it 6 nothing. I think I, – correct, right? Yep. And then, and then we had the um, 
the fumble led to the touchdown, right? So you know those those were big plays, and they got a lot of playmakers on that that Jacksonville te- uh, team. Uh, one of them is Trevor Lawrence on offense. Maybe we got to take a look at him on Wednesday. Maybe we'll take a closer look at Trevor. No doubt, this I might would have love been his be- this might have been his best game as a pro. Yeah, Probably well, was it's, right. Yeah, it's it's up there. First it's, career game with I feel three like, touchdown passes. I feel like he's the, the last four games though. We've said that maybe three times now. Oh, sure. So that's maybe. that's a positive thing here that they're getting the the number one pick looking like he should. There's a guy in L. A. with that other L. A team that's had a lot of good games. Aaron Donald had another one. Damn okay goes to him as the Rams defeat the Cardinals 20-12. to He notched his 100th career sack in the first quarter, became just the second player to primarily play defensive tackle and earn 100-plus sack. He's just a different type of player uh, since 1982. John Randall was the other one. I could have quizzed you on that. Would you Ooh. have known that? I, I, he would have been up there. He would have been up there on one of my guesses for sure. So he was uh, terrorizing Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals offense, who Kyler still threw for over 300 yards, but it took 58 passes to get there. And I want to kind of start with this because there's a soundbite out there that Pete uncovered with Kyler Murray after the game talking about his receivers. Do we have that, Pete? I tell guys all the time, always, like, never, you know, never, you got to be awake playing with me. Like, I I mean, it's... um, no matter what the play is, uh, you know, I, I got free reign to do whatever, get into whatever. Um, so it, when you sleep and uh, you don't think you're getting the ball, it's, you know, it's, we can't play like that. Now he kind of called out his receivers. Yeah, it's I guess he's not happy. I wonder who he's talking about there. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to go back and look at specific plays. Unusual, he unusual to hear that, though. It is unusual to hear that. It, it is. What do you, you make know? of it? Well, he's frustrated. I mean, nothing's been easy. You know, even though they came back last week, like we talked about, it just was like, hey, we opened it up and he's running, and you know, just it, it wasn't it wasn't easy even with that. It, like you just said, the stat line to me that's the most concerning. We got to throw it fifty eight times to get three hundred and fourteen yards. That sucks. That sucks. Like, I don't know any other way to say it. They can't make plays on the offensive side of the ball. They can't get things going. It's a lot of, you know, oh, four-yard completion here, three-yard completion here. Oh, I jammed it in between two people for four yards. whoop de fucking do You know, again, that's where they're, 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 they're an annoying offense to watch. They are. And there's no rhythm. And like I talked about, I don't know if they really call plays to attack things either. You know, I like the fact that just open it up and let it go, like we talked about, yes. But I don't think there's like a surgicality in how they try to attack defenses that way. Um, yeah, so – and then he can't run and make those plays against this defense and Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive tackle in the history of football. So that's where it becomes harder, too. Oh, they keep him in the pocket. Now you can't make all these highlight-type plays, and now it goes back to the offense a little bit. Well, who's going to get open? How are we going to make some plays? And they just lack the imagination and, and some of the ability there to make some of those big plays in the past game. Which we saw on the other side of the ball. Some, uh, some big passing plays from Matthew Stafford, who it only took him 25 passes to get 249 yards in the game. So that was a positive for the Rams. Another positive was the running game got going. Cam Akers, 61 yards on 12 carries and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, untouched on a 20-yard run. First rushing touchdown Which is shocking, right? of his career. Yeah, yeah it was kind of shocking. Um, for the Rams, as a solid 
win where it didn't seem like the game was ever in doubt for them, even though it's only an eight-point yeah, spread. Right. It was a, the, the Rams, I think, are still a work in progress on the offensive side of the ball right now. They certainly don't seem like they've got the same magic they had last year. I mean, I know last year even, hey, there were some spotty – spotty moments and and all that but we were always like wow they're explosive and they can make plays they haven't seemed to regain that like form quite yet they haven't seemed to find the other guy that can stress you out in their offense other than cooper cup yet and then the run game you know is coming along but not special yet you know i thought cam Akers looked pretty damn good last yesterday so that was encouraging he had the fumble at the one yard line that made this game a little bit more interesting than it needed to be right um but you know, it's it's this almost it almost feels like Rams Jared Goff football right now, where it's just like, hey, we're gonna play defense, and hey, Stafford, just be smart and don't take too many chances, and we'll win the game kind of ugly as we kind of find our footing on the offensive side of the ball here. But good win nonetheless, and they're battling. I don't think the Rams are playing their best football here, but they're two and one, and that's at least a positive. Two more games to go, and for that, we'll play a little game we like to call. Give me the headlines presented by Hyundai. This is where Chris is working as a newspaper editor, a headline writer. And we'll start with the Vikings. Come back and beat my Detroit Lions. This oh, game baby. sucked. Yeah. Uh, 28-24 was the final score. Your headline is? The Wizard of Osborne. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 228-yard, yeah, to, yeah. I, I, I was watching. Oh, you were? Darn. 228-yard uh, catches at the end. The last one was the, the game-winning touchdown, ended with 73 yards. Um, yeah, the, the Lions never put them away. They had the lead the whole game until the end, and they never put them away, which, as a Lions fan, you, this happens quite a bit. I mean, I guess the positive was that we held Justin Jefferson to a career-low 14 yards, so that was cool, um, but... The Vikings did just enough to win, and the Lions did just enough to lose. What was your impression of the game? Yeah, the, I, I mean, I'm encouraged by the Lions' offense. Yeah. I don't know how you can't be. There's a lot of things to be like about that side of the ball. Their offense is playing good enough for you guys to win football games. I, I don't look at that. It's the defense that seems to just – the damn breaks too often. You know, we saw it in week one against the Eagles. We saw it a little in the second half against Washington in week two. I know they won, and you know the offense really made the plays to kind of put the game away. And then here again, yeah, 24-14, you're feeling good about things. But I didn't feel like, oh, wow, this one's in the bag. Like, you felt like Kirk Cousins and that run game, and they were going to make some plays in the pass game. And then I think you couple that with, you know, a little bit of um, – fourth down misses and all of that, which is a tough conversation. I I don't know how to get my head around this with Dan Campbell a little bit with going for it on fourth down. So they were good and bad. They went for it on fourth down six times from early on in the game to late in the game except for the last final one. So the ones that were good was one led to the eventual touchdown to make it 7-0. Uh, two more on a drive that made it fourteen to nothing, and right. so he was aggressive early, and it cashed in some seven right. points. End of the game is where the questions are coming. Dead to head says, "Why did Campbell go for the fifty-four yard field goal on fourth down with a minute left when either going for the yardage or punting for a deeper field were clearly better options?" There, they missed the field goal, and then a short field for the Vikings when they scored their game-winning touchdown. And they missed a fourth down. Well, they missed a fourth down at midfield that gave the Vikings the possession before. The, right, so that was the possession before. Mm-hmm. I think he was scarred by that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's really what the big thing is. I think the thing is, I wrap my head around the situation well uh, around this a little bit more as well. Is just the 
Hey, if that's your mantra for the day, go for it. Go with it. Like you said, there's been some positive things, certainly. You know, but yeah, if you're going to go for it six times, did you think you were going to make it all six times? I mean, that would be incredible. We'd all, that would be amazing. You're obviously going to get stopped once or twice. So if that's your plan for the day to be aggressive and attack on that side of the ball, and you know your offense is kind of the positive, and they were rolling at certain points of this football game, then go with it. You know, I just you can't let the two times you didn't make it infiltrate your brain and make you forget about the four times you did make it. You know, I know the the first time they didn't make it early in the game, right? It was fourteen to seven. It gave the Vikings the ball at midfield. They went down, and scored a touchdown, and made it fourteen all. Yep. Right. And then there's that one right there that you're talking about, where they don't get it, and that leads to the Vikings going down and scoring the touchdown. Right. No, they they they, they, didn't. they didn't get anything. Right. They could, no. They they ended up kicking it back to Detroit. And then Detroit went back down and then missed the field goal, right? Is that, is, I don't know if got they that kicked right? it or if it was over, turnover on downs. I can't remember. i got to take a look at that. But, yeah, but yeah, they didn't score on that one. But it the, was a turnover on downs. It was a turnover on yeah. downs. Yeah. yeah. So, but, the, the, but either way, I think the defense is the, the part of the football team that I look at that's got to be a little bit better. How about the Vikings? Things seem too easy. How about the Vikings? Credit where credit is due. Yeah. The Minnesota Vikings, 2-1. and one. Uh, and I mean, they're 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 in the playoff mix, right? Obviously, some weaknesses, so. but they've got enough explosiveness on offense. Yeah, I think their their D line's better than I thought it was. You know, their linebackers are solid. They're some they're pretty well coached on the defensive side of the ball, and we know on offense they got some playmakers. So yeah, I do think they're certainly a playoff caliber team. Excuse me, in the NFC, without a doubt, Cousins is playing good. It's not special. You know, Dalvin Cook, we'll see how that shoulder injury is because he got a little banged up in the football game. But it's just like we saw yesterday. When they can run the ball a little bit, man, it just opens up the field in the pass game for them in a, in a major way to where, you know, they can they can rip off some chunk pass yards uh, in, in a hurry. A victory from a team in the NFC North was going to happen either way in that game, but the Vikings get it. Uh, the NFC North also got a win with the Chicago Bears defeating the Texans 23-20. Mm. to Your headline there? My headline there is the show must Roquan. Oh, very good. Very <laughs> good, you. Pete. Well yeah. done, Pete. Way to go, Chris. I mean, Pete. <laughs> uh, 16 tackles, two of them for a loss. Yeah. Had the interception at the end of the game that set up the game-winning field goal. So he was awesome. Made some plays on defense. The Bears' rushing attack was awesome. Awesome. 281 rush yards, most by a Chicago team since 1984. Yeah, some things weren't great, like their passing attack, but you play good defense, you make some turnover plays, and you run the ball like that. That's going to be a winning formula. It it is. I mean, you know, they don't, they don't, you know, they made mistakes yesterday, but run the ball defense doesn't get out of position a whole lot. You know, I think those are the encouraging things. It's an ugly two and one Chicago football team right now. It is. It was ugly quarterback play by both teams yesterday. Certainly, you know, but. You know, it's kind of, the game kind of played the way I thought, really. I, I thought it would be a field goal type of game, and I honestly kind of boiled it down to Justin Fields will make a play or two that Davis Mills won't, and that'll be the difference in the game. That wasn't the case necessarily either. It was the running game of the Bears altogether that was impressive. Um, you know, but, but you know, all in all, I think one of the things that I'll take away from this game a little bit is just that the Bears – the Bears – the way Justin Fields looks and the way they're playing on offense is a little concerning, all right? Like, I watched a little of that film this morning while I was eating breakfast because I was like, man, what is going on with the, the Bears in the passing game? It's a little concerning. 
Justin Fields not very accurate throwing the football right now. And I would also say that it's a little bit of uh, the way they're calling the game almost mean, makes me feel like they don't trust him mm. a little bit. There's, there's la- they, they, they're trying to – there's a few drop-back passes where I told you before the show, people are open and I don't know what he's looking at. And I think they're going, oh, gosh, well, that's scary. I don't know what he's doing there. So let's just call it the simple bootleg play. And then that becomes predictable because teams are ready for that with Justin Fields and the Bears and all of that, too. So they're a little concerning on the offensive side of the ball. But either way, 2-1, and one, ugly, and uh, good for them getting the win. The Texans, you know, again, another good, good effort, but just don't have enough playmakers, don't have the quarterback. Uh, they're they're missing a few things on their team to help them get over the edge and win games. Yeah, they're still looking for their first win. There's only two winless teams in the NFL right now after three weeks, the Texans and the Las Vegas Raiders. That was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. We are almost done, but we got one more game because we got another undefeated team, another team that can go 3-0 and and join the Eagles. And who else is 3-0 and right now? The Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins. It could be the New York Giants taking on the Cowboys Monday night football. Our bet MGM Monday night football pick. So, Chris, on Thursday's pod, you said that the Giants were going to win by three, 16 to 13. So, low scoring game. The yeah. over under is 39. Right. Uh, Giants favored by a point. So, you bet the under. You think the Giants win and cover. Are you stand? You've, you've never flop, flip flopped on Thursday, yeah, Chris. I'm Are not. you standing by, Chris? I'm standing by there Thursday. for sure. I am. I, I mean, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be ugly. I expect it to be. I do. Uh, I just think the emotions of the stadium, the fact that the Giants are 2-0 and for the first time in forever, it's Cooper Rush and the Cowboys coming to town, so you can smell us 3-0, and right? It's there to be had. I think that'll get us over the edge a little bit in this one. It's not going to be easy. I mean, you certainly sit here and go, hey, Dallas is – you know, maybe the more talented team, but I don't think it's by much. And the big thing that you've heard me say about the Giants, they're better on defense. They haven't let, they have not been letting up a lot of big plays. That's been encouraging. And then, you know, on the other side of the ball, Daniel Jones has been very good. He really has. He's under pressure a lot. He's been getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He's been taking care of the ball and they got a little run game to go along with it. And, they're comfortable just being in a one-score game late in the game and thing, saying we're going to pull it out. And I, I kind of feel like it's going to be that kind of game once again tonight. There's a prop bet out there, Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones. Cooper Rush's over-under for passing yards is 205.5. Daniel Jones's is 198.5. Mm. Got any strong feelings either way there? Well, I feel like I feel like Cooper Rush will have the more passing yards, if you're going to give me that. Because, first off, I think the Giants know who they are. They know they're not great pass-protecting. Dallas can rush the passer a little bit, as we saw last week against the Bengals. So I think they're going to limit the opportunities of, hey, let's hold the ball, pat it two or three times, and get strip sack fumbled, right? And they're going to run the ball a little bit. I think they, that's what I mean. The Giants know who they are, at least. That's what's given them a chance that way. The Cowboys, I don't think, are going to be able to run the football. We'll have to rely on the pass game to a degree. Um, but either way, yeah, I don't think it's going to be like some 
huge statistical explosion by Cooper Rush. I think he just edges out Daniel Jones in passing yards. But where Daniel's better, too, is Daniel's going to make a few plays with his legs that he does every game. And yeah. his ability to keep the ball off the read option is a real threat and opens up Saquon Barkley that way, too. So that's an advantage he certainly gives the Giants offense a little bit. Here's the question I have for Cooper Rush. Yeah. How will he handle being booed by the Sims family? Oh, Who I know. will be at the game? We're going to boo the hell out of him, too. And all the Cowboys. We're going <laughs> to boo him. If I see Jerry, I'm going to boo him, too. Boo you, Jerry. <laughs> Are you going to get there early and go anywhere that normal fans can't go? Because you've already said you're going to sit with the fans. You're going to sit with us common people right. during the game. What yeah. about before the game? No, I'm going to do – we're going to be in the parking lot. Okay. And the wife is making some, like, Italian heroes. You're tailgating? We're going to, like, tailgate, like, a little bit. And then walk in with the masses. Wow. That's what we're doing. No field passes or hootie tootie. We're in the box or anything like that. No, I did get offered by somebody if I wanted a field pass. I was like, no, nah, it's all right. It's all good. We're just we're gonna we're yeah. gonna watch the game and be in the stands and root for Big Blue. Yeah, you could have got it for Pete. Uh, you know, a Giants fan as well. Eh, maybe we'll yeah. see one day. Uh, so that's cool. Are you going to wear a hat so people can't recognize you, or will you wear a Sims jersey? No, when you no. Walk I, in? Well, it's a whiteout. They're going white Ooh, out tonight. That's right. Right. So I'm going to wear a white hoodie is what I'm going to wear. Okay. Uh, we'll see if I buy something at the stadium maybe to put over that. But no, no hat. I'm not a hat guy. I don't like it just gets annoying on my head at, at a, after a while. Yes. So uh, we're going to be just sitting there and uh, watching the game. And, you know, we'll I'll talk to some people and I'm mm -hmm. sure I'll have some people go, hey, aren't you Chris Sims and and all that, but we're going to have fun with it. It's going to be I want to know night. the over-under on autographs signed. What do you think? Autographs signed while you're out there. I don't think it'll be crazy. I get more of just like, hey, shake your hand. Get a hey, picture with me, maybe. Yeah, right. Can you take a selfie? Yeah. Hey, you know, I'm a big fan of your dad. You know, tell him, you know, we said hi. Like, yeah. that, that's the kind of crap right. I'll get tonight. We'll recap it on Wednesday. Right. Uh, one thing I do know, though, Chris, yeah. the action never stops at BetMGM. No, it does not. You can sign up now using the bonus code SIMS. And your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Wow. So say you bet $100 on Daniel Jones to score a TD. Yeah. If you win, you'll get 240 But mm -hmm. if you lose, you'll still get $100 worth of free bets. Sounds like kind of a win-win there. Sounds like a win-win. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com. Enter the bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. Chris... We did it again. We did it, baby. We got through all the games. We need some buys. Yeah. We need some buys we because do. we're keeping Kristen here well past her bedtime. She's got to get up early like you do right. uh, tomorrow. And uh, buys start week oh, six, shit. according to Six? Damn, I thought it was week four. Damn it, that stinks. It sucks. We're still, we're still in the... Th it, it really is. For somebody like me, it's very frustrating with all these games. Yeah. Because I like to know, and I like to know details, and I know there's little details of every game here that I don't know, and that's where now I'm in catch-up mode, and then going to be you know breaking down film for the Wednesday podcast, and we'll break it all down and all the interesting aspects. And please, send in the games you might be, want me to break down, look at further, plays you want to look at further. You know, I'm in and me will be all over it for the Wednesday podcast and uh, and uh, hopefully everybody can enjoy the, the more in-depth breakdown then. I like Wednesday's Treasure yeah. Hunters Edition. Do -do. Put on that you gear. will be back. Nicholas Cage and Harrison Ford will be back we'll be again. Back. We'll be back. I don't know, even though last time you looked like you wanted to be like a coal miner. I don't know what you were doing with yeah. your yellow hat and the spotlight. Spelunking. You're like I a was minion. Like, I, think I don't I know what you were. Spelunking, yeah. Alright everybody, Monday Night Football. Enjoy it. The G-Men and the Cowboys will be here. Keep sending in the questions, homies. Hope everybody's good. Ahmed, you the man. Thanks for leading the charge once again. Clap, Clap it, it up. up.